0: mchd 3 Detroit KMPS HD3 Seattle WBMX HD3 Boston
1: And on AOL Radio And Yahoo LaunchCast Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky Back to Behind the Paranormal With Paul and Ben Eno Call now 248 545 soul skyradio.com. Leave
2: Did Mothman warn about the 9-11 attacks on New York City? Can an encounter with he, she, or it have a benign effect on someone? Where does all this fit with a grand unified theory of the paranormal?
3: Hey there, and welcome to the 470th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those mothy questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So this evening we bring you a guest we haven't spoken to in over two years. Wow, has it been that long?
4: Yeah,
3: Yeah. Wow, Time time flies uh, when you're sort of having fun. Mm -hmm. And you're welcome to call in if you have questions or comments of your own. And the number is 248-545-7685.
2: Before we begin, uh, a reminder that we will have a drawing in early October for two free tickets to the first New England UFO conference in Leinster, Massachusetts on Saturday, October 26th. Among the speakers will be some of the UFO experts who are regulars on our show, Stanton Friedman, Kathleen Martin, and Peter Robbins, among others. And Ben and I will be there to interview them before a live audience, and they'll take questions from the audience as well. All you have to do to enter is to send an email to us at paul at behindtheparanormal.com or drop us a snail mail at Behind the Paranormal, care of W O O N, 1240 AM, 985 Park Avenue, Winsocket, Rhode Island, 02895. Please include your name, address, and phone number. There's no charge to enter. The drawing will take place on the air on Monday, October 7th. You can also write to us on Facebook and ask to enter as well, uh, behind the Paranormal page on Facebook. Okay, to our guest. Andrew Colvin is an artist, photographer, and writer in the Seattle area, domain of the great kmp FM. Andrew has been called his generation's Charles Fort, after the early 20th century chronicler of the unexplained. The parallel comes from Andrew's intensive documentation of synchronicities in relation to paranormal and conspiracy research what he calls synchro mysticism and synchro conspiracy following in the footsteps of Fortean author John A. Keel, Andrew has delved into mysteries that have had humans scratching their heads or screaming for millennia UFOs, weird creatures, bizarre entities, magic, and the creative workings of the human mind. His approach blends a background of genuine paranormal experience with decades of research into parapolitics art history, media behavior, and social psychology. He has also made quite a splash in the upper echelons of the art world. He is the author of The Mothman Speaks and The Mothman's Photographer, 1, 2, and 3.
3: So, Andrew Colvin, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal.
2: Glad to be here. Can you hear me okay?
3: Yeah, sounds perfect. Yep. Always trust the landlines. So, let's start <laughs> with something that uh, happened to you in the 1960s, uh, well, Mothman, Whereas uh, most people have reported utter terror in Mothman's presence, the old rascal seems to have blessed you. Can you tell us about that experience?
0: Well, it uh, it was still scary. Let me tell you. I mean, it wasn't uh, wasn't a walk in the park. He uh, put
2: his arm around your shoulder, or his wing, whatever.
0: He did uh,
2: take you under his wing.
0: Right? He <laughs> did have a friend of mine on the shoulder at the same place that I saw him. And I really? didn't know that for many, many years until I met this old friend in Point Pleasant at one of the Mothman festivals.
2: What was that, What exactly was that about? What's that? What, what was the friend on the shoulder thing about? Not to digress. I'd never heard that before. Uh, you
0: haven't heard of the, uh, the the grabbing of the shoulder?
2: No, no. I don't think so. No.
0: Um, <clears throat> well, yeah, you know, I found out about it. I don't know. It's three, four years ago, I suppose, and um, it's probably in Mothman Shrieks, which is the book that came after Mothman um, Speaks.
2: Oh, and, I'm sorry, I missed one of your books. Well, we'll talk about those later.
0: Yeah, but uh, interesting story, and uh, it was paralleled, weirdly, recently here on August 9th of this month when I got a call from a friend who uh, <clears throat> and Mothman Witness is somebody I knew here in Seattle who over time started having Mothman experiences and <clears throat> he he's not, he doesn't want any um, you know, uh, he doesn't want publicity, he doesn't he's not in it for anything, he, he doesn't really study the subject at all, he's not really, it's, he's almost afraid of it, I think, he doesn't really want to know exactly what's going on, but Uh, Because he just has all kinds of strange experiences, uh, not just with seeing Mothman. He's seen it three times now in uh, Seward Park in Seattle. And on August 9th, he saw it again. And it didn't grab him on the shoulder, but he he saw it glowing in the woods. And then when he got home, it came to him in a dream and told him to remember Dora Levin. And door who door 11 yeah and it was grabbing at his toe with a hand that changed into a talon uh, now sometimes he'll talk about dreams and then you find out later it was a vision like it, he was actually awake and so but wow. most of his experiences are out in daylight you know walking or he was actually with someone who saw this
2: so there was a, there were multiple witnesses yeah yeah okay. All right. How do we know this was Mothman and not some other what we might call multiversal creature, of some kind? Obviously, something's going on. But you know, was it? Was it? Would it be the same Mothman as uh, gained fame in Point Pleasant? In your opinion? Um. Yes and no. All
0: right. Uh, you know, on the grand scale, the the, uh, the absolute scale, I guess you could say, there they're the, they're the same in a way. Uh, All right but on the relative scale who knows um, mm-hmm. it's a way for I think a way for consciousness to to make itself known areas of the subconscious that are below the threshold of consciousness yep. to come to people in certain ways uh, to interact with them it, it's uh, it's part of themselves it's part of the collective unconscious it's uh, it's a big energy force that Continues to manifest, and people happen to see it uh, in certain forms. And I think it does matter what kind of form you see it in, because sometimes people will see a demon or an angel or a ghost, and uh, and they'll ask, "Well, was that Mothman?" or or, or, or they'll say, "Is Mothman?" You know, you, you say it's good, but maybe it's bad.
2: Yeah.
0: And and so my that answer to that is, if if you're seeing Mothman, it's scary, but check yourself, because no one's ever really been harmed by it that we know of. Mm. And look into why you're afraid, and um, it just it doesn't seem to... It seems to mirror is going on in the percipient. It, its form may stay the same, pretty close. So there's little differences in what people see, but it stays basically the same. And it... Um, it matters that you would see it in that form. If you see a fourteen legged goat, you know, that's another thing. That's mm-hmm. that is satanic. But but the different archetypes are out there and they've been identified and the Garuda's been identified for thousands of years. And there are books out where like I have one here called The Seven Questions of Garuda, which is from the Ramayana. <clears throat> and if this creature Mothman is a Garuda, then you can apply some of the the ancient textual concepts about him and see if it fits the story the story of man and it does to me um and yeah. i do think that
2: it could indeed be the garuda Garuda it's, being the proverbial thunderbird or that sort of thing is that what you mean thunderbird is i think the same but yeah well these are uh, these are relative terms that we use because i don't understand these things yeah but the natives you know they're not all
0: They're not all hunky-dory about the Thunderbird, necessarily. They are concerned about the Thunderbird uh, being, uh, maybe taking people away and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We don't know that that's happened with Mothman, but maybe
2: it it has. I don't know. Well, I remember when I was like 12, uh, in growing up near Hartford, Connecticut, and uh, a lot of the stuff that was going on in Point Pleasant at the time, which was the height of the 66 67 the height of the mothman period so to speak my mother would would point out stories in the hartford current about giant birds and what people were seeing in in, uh you know point pleasant and and so i remember that and i can see where people um have a certain thing that they see they don't understand it and and their mind takes it and makes it something they can understand such as a giant bird so I, i know exactly and I think I understand what you're saying, uh, Andrew. Well, um, I might even go you one better. Ben and I both might go you one better. Uh, and, and this this conclusion I started to arrive at in the '70s during exorcism cases. <clears throat> excuse me, that I was working on with a priest when I was a seminary student. And I said, you know, th- th- these theories about what's really going on here aren't good enough. You know, the, the servants of the devil, and all, you know, the, 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 the theological baggage this stuff has, and. I began to look at some of the possibilities for as you say these things sort of being aspects of ourselves not that they're not real but in the subconscious which in my opinion is made up of the the totality of one's life which includes who knows maybe billions of parallel lives in the quantum multiverse if you will if you believe in that sort of thing and uh, these so-called demons uh, were what we call today parasites and were aspects of these people you know you, you share the life indiscriminately of every other living thing and the mothman thing may be uh... just going from what you said uh... might be matching up with some of these ideas maybe i don't know if you agree but uh... but i see what your your point is on that anyway so but tell us about So, do you want to respond to that or you want to just go and tell us about your your uh, own experience
0: well uh... i could do both because my experience uh, uh, maybe not personally but in this location where I saw the creature or something, other people saw all kinds of other things. Interesting, yeah. You have a shape-shifting dominant. You you can have Mothman, you can have the Virgin Mary, you can have a Native American Man in Black type thing, uh, Black Panther, uh, invisible thing that that moves, but can't see it, Um, or dark shadowy elemental type forms. Uh, the Garuda is a subduer of elemental earth spirits, he's like a policeman of all those guys. Mm-hmm. He's sort of a, maybe a bigger a bigger formation of energy, and that's why the Buddhas have him above the, uh, the Buddha in their paintings. He's he's like the sky, he represents the background ether, connects everything, and in that way he also represents the conscious, and I think that's how he works. Mm-hmm. Um, I think
2: you're right on that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and it's the the entire Mothman phenomenon. And what we do is we always look uh, not at somebody comes to us with it with usually a, with a ghost case. That's most of my background is that. Well, we have to cut. Oh, oh. I, I'm going to have to wait until the end of the break to continue our conversation because it's break time, of course. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio. And we have our marvelous guest tonight, Andrew Colvin. Welcome back after uh, several years. We'll be right back to talk about Mothman and related subjects. So stay with us.
1: Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New Horizons. No boundaries.
5: The world spins itself down in the dust I wanna be with you I'm gonna be with you color
1: Is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal. With Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248 545 soul NewSkyRadio.com. Believe.
2: Okay, and welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. We're speaking this evening with Andrew Colvin, a, sort of a renaissance man of the paranormal, a modern Fortean fellow, and we're talking about Mothman experiences, of which he had one, that turned out rather well. Um, Andrew, of all your experiences, could you tell us about the one that sort of changed your life with Mothman?
0: <clears throat> well, I, I had, it, it stretched over about a five-year period, so it's hard to, but I had, uh, I had a, a a sighting, a far away, just kind of impersonal kind of a sighting when I was, uh, that would have been 866, 60, uh, but I had a creepy feeling that he was—he was, he was uh, trying to communicate with me. Mm-hmm. And about a—I don't know—few months later, my friend said the mothman was visiting him a lot, and had given him certain predictions about the future and about his life, and many of which came true. And then. He said, he. this kid said he could share this vision with me that Mothman had given him of something that would happen in 2001, which would be an attack on New York City that would start World War III. Mm. And so I did a little blood brother pact with, and he held my hand and stood in a certain spot, and I did see that. And it uh, it was the kind of thing that was just so far out that it almost became subconscious, but I I couldn't be around him after that. I was terrified of, of the situation, and I and I really kind of repressed all of that whole memory. hours you know, remembered him and everyone else did too, because he was telling other people this too. Now you saw the attack. A little window opened up in my mind, and I saw uh, uh, what I've. Uh, it was a plane or a missile, or something coming in and hitting, but it wasn't like it was on TV. Yeah, it, it was, it was, it was somewhat different, but it was All basically right. the same. All right. Uh, so because I was, I didn't know what it was going to look like at that time, so it kind of, but there were, it seemed to me that the, there were more buildings, maybe tall buildings there than just the two. Okay but I did see that domed thing that's in the World Trade Center. I did okay. see that.
2: Now this was, a, did you say this was in 1966? Yeah. Okay. Now you were living in, in West Virginia, were you at the time? That's right. Okay. All right. And
0: so-, uh, so then five years later I saw something come out of a tree at that same spot where, where he and I had seen that other thing and um, that seemed to be. That was when I was thirteen, and sort of going through that time in life where you, you may have a paranormal experience. Sort of that. Uh, what do you call it? Uh,
2: well, the poltergeist thing. The, the, the common theory. Yeah.
0: Well, when tribal tribal people put their kids through, through a uh, a ceremony to become an adult at that time, and it usually involves uh, some hallucination ty- type experiences where they. Vision Quest and things like that. Yeah, yeah Vision Quest or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It was All that right. kind of thing, I think, in a way that just was created for me. And <clears throat> it seemed like it was maybe connected to my dad who had died just before that. And yeah. and then other family members had strange dreams. We had the same dreams. People were having the same dreams. Yeah, that's it, happened to Ben and
4: myself.
0: Mm. Yeah, it seemed like my dad had... Uh, well, we all had this stream about him in this window, and then, not too—I guess it was 2005—my sister sent me a snapshot, and in the snapshot, in that window, there is a face of what looks like a garuda, okay. and that's the so-called Mothman photograph. What well, we don't know what it is exactly, but it's very tantalizing to look at it and see the symbolism, uh, the similarities between that and and also the thunderbird. It looks like a thunderbird. thunderbird. Yeah i like to see that. Maybe, you know, the Garuda has, and Thunderbirds are associated with death, but the protectors of the dead, they mm-hmm. put Thunderbird totems in native cemeteries, so maybe Mothman performs a similar role where he was somehow watching over my dad's spirit or something because it, it, he may have fallen uh, victim to the men in black.
2: Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. Just before you go on with that, I, I really relate to what you're saying, because we have a lot of, we kind of live in a rather strange place, we've done whole shows about you know things that have happened around here, uh, usually on our other station, but the, uh, we have a lot of guardians around here, I don't believe they're spirits, I think they're perfectly physical from other, uh, ra- you know, dem- what we call them, dimensions, universes, not the same thing, but in physics, but um, for example there's a large um, I keep running into these bear-like things um, one I encountered in an attic near Buffalo New York during a case people thought it was a ghost as they usually do and it turned out to be something entirely rather noble actually and I have seen a bear-like creature walking by our window um, which I, whom I immediately knew was a guardian because you know, we're into a lot of interesting stuff and you need all the help we can get but in any case um let me ask you exactly where, in Point Pleasant, these events occurred—the thing coming out of the tree and the uh, the, the Mothman sighting you were describing earlier. Because uh, uh, just to give us some kind of perspective, was it in or near the TNT area, so-called, or was it outside of town, in town, what? Well,
0: it's up the river there. The Kanawha River comes into Point Pleasant, meets the Ohio. Right. Yeah. So if you drive up to Kanawha about 45 minutes, you get to uh, Mound, West Virginia. Uh, which is uh, where Charles Manson lived for a couple of years. And, uh, I know, yeah, I've
2: been uh, there, yeah.
0: Strange, uh, it's, a, it's in the God an Old History. Uh, but what you were saying about the, the bear, let me just go back to that for a second, because in addition to this thing in the window, and everyone's sort of having dreams about this window, I had many dreams about a big bear-like creature that would walk past. We had this cliff behind our house that went up. Not down. There was this narrow pathway between there, and I would always dream that this big, big creature was out there. And uh, and at times, it seemed like it was speaking to me in my dreams.
2: Yeah.
0: And like I got some sort of tutelage from it or something. Uh, well, this, and it, that- I also dreamed of that same creature uh, back there. And, uh, and I had it. And that was the scariest dream I ever had. I had it. Repeatedly for many, many years, and it finally ended when the creature ch- changed into a dog.
2: <laughs> really? dog? Oh, That's know. interesting. I don't know, that is interesting. I've had some, some beautiful experiences with some of these. Den, I call them neighbors from, you know, peril or whatever. And uh, one of them was, um, and I wondered if you'd ever run into this in that area or anywhere else. And again, I, I think that these these are not manifestations of the same thing. Uh, personally, my experience is they're, they're separate creatures, but they, they some of them, sometimes they are very aware of what's happening, and uh, a lot of them, I suppose, are trying to help. Some some are just, you know, neutral. They just, you just happen to run into them, and they're just as shocked as you are. But um, there, there's a creature, and we, we had the, the show with uh, Jerry Warner on this, who takes photographs of these things. But that has, uh, They have rather, um, I, I suppose, uh, horse-like bodies with human faces. And I actually saw one of these on our property at our old house before we moved here. That was... Uh, Just a strange one. And um, I don't know. There are all kinds of things out there. So I don't know. We're talking about your experience, not mine. So we'll continue. Um, But it's funny that there do seem to be parallels between the experiences of many people, certainly including yourself. Mm. Um, Let me ask you this, um, Andrew. I'm thinking of um, a few recent guests who have uh, sort of gotten into this area, Uh, notably Ted Phillips, uh, the UFO landing expert, who has uh, decades worth of evidence for this physical landings these things. He was talking about places like Marley Woods in Missouri, where people sometimes come out with knowledge they never had. And you yourself came out of this whole experience, you believe, with with, with enhanced knowledge, particularly uh, talent in art and things of this kind. Could you tell us what happened to you in that regard and uh, whether you think it was the area you went into, as other people have, or, or what's going on with that? That's a good question.
0: I mean, uh or what you were saying, I think uh, one way to look at that is is the circuitry of the nervous system, and and there are uh, sort of as a way to visualize how this stuff happens. And I think the universe kind of works same in in certain ways everywhere, and maybe our our nervous system is a key to understanding how information is transmitted because you have receptors. I think there's about four kinds of receptors, but uh, they can Uh, It depends on which way the signal's going, and whether that each of those has an acceptance uh, lock or key to it, or or a rejection key, they have different functions. So there's many more than four samples, it's like at least eight or 16, so then you have a... Once you have that many possibilities with how uh, messages get transferred, then you have a wide variety of things that can happen. You can have people that one person standing there and
2: sees it and the other one doesn't. Mm -hmm. and doesn't have the Yeah, I've, I've seen that happen. And so, I, I've seen things in the presence of as, as many as uh, eight or ten people. Including sometimes. Cops. Sometimes the thing that's being
0: seen can override all of those and have everyone see it.
2: That's true, yeah.
0: Um, in uh, with my experience, I think it's sort of wired because it is. I don't know if it's geomagnetic, I think there's something to that. Mm-hmm. In our case, this place was right was where a school had been burned down, and I wonder if Charles Manson didn't burn that down. Mm. And it killed a couple of kids, so I think maybe some sort of uh, ghost phenomenon occurred in a way where the ghosts were crying out for justice and somehow the mop man got involved because he's the policeman of this kind of stuff. Mm. And maybe, maybe things that were in those kids were sent out into the trees. Because I saw my thing come out of a tree. It could be that animals or trees or plants store some of this stuff. If, if, if you're uh, coming around in a close close proximity uh, or time-wise, you know, like uh, the trees that were there when that happened were still there, and et cetera, et cetera. So... Um, It could be that uh, that's sort of a transmission from a traumatic event. Uh, The whole area has a tremendous amount of old, ancient energy. It it was never changed by the Ice Age. So that valley is still the same as it was prior to the Ice Age. And all of those different mounds and things, thousands of mounds and earthworks, uh, it was a place where... uh, the Indians buried their dead and probably did all kinds of rituals and things that could uh, amplify any kind of thing that's happening now, like uh, a crime or anything else, and start a ball rolling where a bunch of things are seen, and uh, the good effects of it are, um, I think it. The simple fact that you are introduced to something outside of what's supposed to be possible rewires your brain a bit, Mm -hmm. makes more things possible. So I've always been the kind of person that uh, regardless of what's going on, I'm looking for a miracle, the magic, And, and and I believe it enough. That, you know it happens, and and sometimes you know I just through random synchronicity I get uh, I get information I get answers to things I get uh, contacts and things uh, and I just try to uh, I don't fight it because I know that just fighting it isn't really isn't going to work. I mean it's mm. it's it mess you up more than it does just uh, going with the flow, seeing sure. where it leads you, okay. trust. Trusting uh, the universe a bit and sometimes these things will happen right when you've been traumatized the most as it did with me
4: mm-hmm.
0: maybe ter- turned me uh, in a, uh, around or
2: something and kept me from uh, imploding well very definite possibility we're coming up on another break though and we'll have to uh, advise you to stay with us everyone we're talking with Andrew Colvin this evening it's Behind the Paranormal on CBS News Sky Radio we will be right back so stay with us
0: Discover your spirit. Listen to Spirit Guide Radio, where leading spiritual experts serve as guides to nourish your soul. Every weeknight from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander, The Zodiac Girls with Solaris, Laura, and Kira. Ask Dr. Doug with Dr. Doug Lear, PSI 911 with Katie, Rhonda, and Christy, Life by Number with Celeste, and Your Reiki Journey with Heidi Harrison, Spiritually
1: Speaking Radio for the Soul. CBS Radio's The Sky. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. NewSkyRadio.com.
3: Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. We have our esteemed guest, Andrew Colvin. And right now we're in the middle of uh, talking of Fortane Phenomena.
2: Exactly. Well before we go back to that, I wanted to give Andrew a chance to talk about his books, his blog. yeah, we
3: we What's burned it? through this hour like nothing.
2: Oh I know, it's amazing. Good conversation. So go ahead.
6: Oh well uh, uh the, the blog is at uh Fortians West. F O R T E A N S uh West dot org, I think. Or com. Uh is <laughs> I I search on your name. <laughs> I
3: just Google it really quickly. Yeah.
6: I'm, most of the time, I'm on Mothy Talk on Facebook. We have a good group there. We have some pretty heavy hitters. Uh, Webb Tarpoli, Ken Thomas, Adam Gowrightly, Tessa Dick, who's Philip K. Dick's wife. She wrote a nice intro to uh, ah. a new book I'm working on. Uh, and the books are on Amazon. And the music from my band, Interdimensional Vortex League, is on uh, iTunes, Amazon, and CD Baby.
4: Cool.
6: Got That's lots really cool. of music. The new book, uh, well, I'm doing two books on John Keel. Well, they're John Keel uh, reprints, or not reprints, but actually they're articles, collections of articles that have never been published since the 60s. And uh, Tessa wrote a nice intro for it, uh, comparing some of the things that happened in West Virginia in the Mothman situation and what happened with her and Philip K. Dick uh, that spurred the Vallis trilogy that he wrote. It's uh, very similar stuff. The guy that's seen Mothman many times here in Seattle has these the same kind of uh, blue sprite-like f- uh, light that comes to him uh, that, like that came to Philip K. Dick. And uh, also I've had a, I have had a niece that's had that happen. And uh, there's actually been one in the house I live in right now, although I haven't seen it. we have got one here in my house.
2: Well, th- th- this kind of transitions us right into the notion, I suppose, unless, Ben, you had some more questions on, on this subject, but... Uh, of the, uh, I suppose what we call the grand unified theory of the paranormal, if you will.
3: Of course, you have your term synchro mysticism and synchro conspiracy, which is sort of very similar.
2: Well, okay. Well, why don't I talk about that.
3: Yeah. So, shall, we shall now talk about <laughs> synchro mysticism <laughs> and synchro conspira- synchro conspiracy. What are what are those things? Um,
6: one is well, they're a little different. Um, it all started in. 2006 when uh, and I write about this in the introduction to the Keel book it's called Flying Saucer to the Center of Your Mind and it should be out this week actually uh, or next week on Amazon um, uh, what was I talking about there um,
2: Flying Saucer to the Center of the
6: Mind <laughs> no before that oh. the title the minute I said the title I forgot what I was talking about um,
2: well, well we're anyway. talking about the, the, you know. The, John Keel and uh, actually no then no, we're talking about John
6: Keel but what is what is uh, synchromysticism? Yeah. Oh yes, synchromysticism. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, 2006 uh, several of us uh, in the from the local area uh, had met John Keel in 2003 at the Mothman statue unveiling. And we all had weird stuff happen for five straight years or six maybe right up until when he died. No kidding. And it was, it seemed connected to him. I mean, we had, we had, I won't, I can't get into it, but he was connected somehow. And, uh, um, or, oh, so we, one of the things we had was the 1111 number that kept coming up. And it wasn't coming up in trivial ways, it was like really serious ways, like a man in black van with a 111 license plate trailing two, two of the guys in our group and, uh, and this led to a phone call which came soon after that which we traced to an address 1111 Independence Avenue in Akron and then we looked at the map, satellite map and saw that the building looked like an 11 from the sky <laughs> but it was a Masonic, a very Masonic 11
2: I think I've heard this and the
6: history, the history of this place is that it used to be in a sacred Indian site,
4: mm-hmm.
6: and now it's a mall. And oh, dear. Then they built, after I reported on this, then they built some more buildings that, in the back, there were 111L, and 111L is, looks just like 1111, but that was a license plate of the Man in Black van. It was actually 111L.
2: Do you think the architects were deliberately doing this, or in my opinion, more likely, they were sort of uh, subconsciously inspired by energies at the site to design the buildings that way? What say you?
6: I ha- it seems like it. It seems like it. And, and the weird thing is, I finally decided to go there and check it out on, on the ground. And I, when I get there, I find out there's a, there was a Mothman sighting a week before. Wow. Like in, less in, less than a mile away.
2: In, okay, in a rural area, urban area, where?
6: In Akron, this was reported on the Monroe Falls, I think, uh, paranormal group. They okay. were the ones that investigated. So I'm not just, you yeah. know, grabbing this out of thin air. It actually happened. Oh sure.
2: Happened. No, I man, so, I know Akron, but was it in, like in a park, in a in a wooded area of a park, or was it on you know somebody's somebody,
6: somebody's yeah I was gonna say somebody's house yeah. garage. I was standing next to the road standing next to the road where cars are going by. Mm-hmm. And so this triggered an investigation and in all this, and so I started really looking at 1111 and what, where it came from and tracked it back to the Masonic orders and George Washington and uh, maybe Joseph K. Smith uh, as well, getting in on the action. Yeah, right. And uh, so this, I think... It, it, I don't know how synchro mysticism got started exactly. Uh, like, why it caught on? It seemed like to me that people were really fascinated with this one-one-one thing, and sort of took off and ran with it. And, and in a way, it seems like I kind of feel like it might be a diversion to call it synchro mysticism. I prefer synchro conspiracy
4: because
6: okay. it, it seemed to lead. It seemed to lead a lot of people off into looking at movies and stuff like that and predictive programming in movies and cartoons and stuff which is all fine but I think my, my point was synchronicity can help you actually find out real stuff like just find out anything
2: oh yeah we've done whole shows on synchronicity we've done yeah. a lot but what's interesting is uh, we, I never had the pleasure of meeting John Keel which, which I think is a shame because we have the same background uh, in journalism especially this kind of thing um, so you actually met John, of course, and you had these experiences. Why did you think they were connected with him in this period, this five-year period after you met at Point Pleasant?
6: Okay. Uh, because in 2002, when we started our video series, the 33-hour thing that we did on Mothman, uh, we saw three, three of us saw three shimmering beings at this site where everybody had seen Mothman. And then the next time, the next Mothman Fest was right after that when we went and met Keel. And then one of the people that was with me when we saw those three beings saw the th- same three beings in the low hotel when John Keel was staying there. And then I'm in the next room and I hear three voices. One of them sounded like John Keel. And I was convinced it was John Keel talking to me so the 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 phenomenon was mimicking john keel and it seemed to be connected to our site and that was by the way on the 50th anniversary of that uh, flyover of washington dc when all the ufos went over washington dc oh 1952 yeah we didn't know it at the time that's the exact 50-year anniversary of that
2: more synchronicity yeah yeah that that's really interesting um we uh I don't know. See these areas that, at least according to what I've seen or what we've seen, is that there are areas of overlaps between such as the Mothman period in the '60s in the Ohio Valley, where um, we've talked to people down there who had, uh, they were kids at the time, but they had poltergeist experiences, ghost things, you know, yet red eyes looking in the window, footsteps on the roof, men in black. I well, you know the whole story. Mm. You name it, it happened. Uh, And I'm wondering if perhaps we're having overlaps of different parallel realities because of of the circumstances and the ducks being lined up for that. And the uh, ghosts were not necessarily connected with Mothman or the UFOs weren't necessarily connected with the poltergeist and all this kind of thing. But the same process was allowing all sorts of things to manifest, such as when you open your screen door in the summer and a fly and a mosquito come in, and the flying mosquito aren't necessarily cousins or related. You know, they, they aren't necessarily connected, but they still come in because of the same process, the door being open. So that, that's the sort of thing that has occurred to me over the years. Okay, we have yeah, to. Well, um, I guess we're oh. going to take another break here. and uh, – Go to, to yeah, our
3: final segment of
2: the show. For the final segment of the show. And uh, we'll be right back with Andrew Colvin on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben on CBS News Sky Radio. And stick with us.
3: Are you tired of feeling stuck? Are you ready to feel healthy, clear, and grounded? Is it time to feel like yourself again? Hi, this is Shay Parker, founder of Best American Healers. If you answered yes to any of the questions that I just asked, NowAgeWellness.com can help. Danita Nicole, also known as D, is a spiritually based healing practitioner who founded Now Age Wellness. D has trained under master teachers to perfect her healing techniques. I personally recommend D if you are looking to reclaim yourself in more ways than one. Learn more about D's services at nowagewellness.com and let your healing begin.
7: But in the end it's right I hope you at the time of your life
1: Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky Back to Behind the Paranormal With Paul and Ben Eno Call now 248-545-SOL New SkyRadio.com and welcome back
3: to behind the paranormal with paul and ben Eno. we are talking of synchro conspiracies because usually we stay away from conspiracies but tonight we're gonna be a little adventurous
2: well there are paranormal connections so andrew colvin is our guest uh, andrew uh, just uh, there's only a few minutes left because we have a lot of a lot of announcements tonight but, but what is the deal with the uh, synchro conspiracies how is it uh
3: done what well, is it
6: <laughs> how's it done that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it happens to everyone. I've had people say, how do I make that happen? And I don't exactly know how to say how to do it, other than you try to practice. You have to have a trusting mind, okay? Like, got to believe that you can just crack open a book and find something, because I found yeah. a lot of things that way. Well, you we're do educated
2: random. out of that, which is why I think it's a natural thing to do what you just described, but it's educated out of us at an early age,
4: yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. But it's happened many times. And uh, uh, when you were talking about the mosquitoes, I was thinking that a third—you could have a third one that was a drone—and that would sort <laughs> of ex- exemplify <laughs> what Keel's main message, I guess, in the in the in the in the book I'm doing is that there's two. Well, it, it's not so much his message; it's my message. But he he was talking about two different things. He was talking about UFOs that were real natural phenomenon and then sometimes he was talking about real man-made objects Mm. and how they'd found man-made things at different flying saucer sites but he didn't really come out and say it like you need to really look at every case and see if it's the real phenomenon or some spooks mimicking the phenomenon because that is that's really what could be behind a lot of the quote predictive programming is that they're simply mimicking stuff that's already out there to use an ops, and that's a real old, it's a real old tactic to mimic yeah. things, and yeah. then no, it gets it is
2: actually yeah,
6: gets so confusing for people to tell what's going on when yeah. when when you've got false things, that, and they're not even false. I mean, they can actually make you see things with uh, radio waves. They You're can right. make you hear things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole thing, uh, the drone. You know, I, I do think a lot of the men in black covering up. Uh, harassing researchers and witnesses was about uh, you know there may be a breakaway civilization that has it could be composed of ex-Nazis and all kinds of international uh, big wigs bankers who who have round drones or flying saucers and all kinds of stuff and they just didn't want anybody to know that they were building them And a lot of them seem to happen a lot of the sightings uh, happen around Petrochemical plants and nuclear plants. Where you, you
2: really go for building this stuff. But
3: wouldn't it be a little too obvious for Men in Black to be operating the way they do?
6: Uh, well, I don't know that they're operating that way now, but but uh, at least in Point Pleasant, I think they needed to move everything out to Area Fifty One. That's the rumor, a local rumor, and they were building craft there or something.
2: It was definitely what happened to me out there one time.
6: Definitely nuclear. So when that stuff got moved, they needed to sort of shut the town down, and the men in black were there to do that.
2: What about your father's experience with the men in black? I know we only got a few more minutes, but you mentioned earlier on that there might have been a connection with his death.
6: Yeah, he was working for one of the companies that would be involved in that, which is Union Carbide, who was behind the Manhattan Project, and and they had German partners helping them. Uh, the Lynn company, who got a lot of tesla's past, patents, <clears throat> so they had lasers and they had all the technology. My dad was working for him. he was an expert in different kinds of engines and things, and I think he may have been working on these uh, or known something about them and he was also at the Philadelphia experiment. He was located there when it happened, and maybe it had to do with that, but they yeah. were watch- they were definitely watching us for some reason
2: okay. Well, this is a deep well. I can see that. And I think we're definitely going to have you back. It's not mm. going to be another two years. But, Andrew, thank you for a fascinating conversation. I hate to let you go a little early, but we've got a lot of announcements tonight.
6: Indeed, we do. And
2: uh, we'll be in touch to, uh, to reschedule. And um, again, uh, your blog, if you could give that one more time.
6: Uh, Forteanswest.whatever.com. <laughs> and click on Washington State and go to Mothy Talk on Facebook. Ask us to uh, join up.
2: Excellent. Okay, well, thank you so much for a great conversation. We'll be in touch off the air, and um, you sent some music, and we'll be um, looking at that and do all kinds of interesting stuff. So, thank you mm. very much. All right, bye bye. Okay, very good. All right, everyone. Uh, yeah, we do have a lot of announcements tonight. The first one is a very sad one, I'm sorry to say. Uh, we've just received word before the show from our good friend Peter Robbins, well known UFO expert especially on the Rendlesham case. Dear friends in UFO studies, I've just gotten off the phone with Jesse Marcel Jr.'s daughter. Uh, Jesse Marcel, of course, was Jesse Marcel Jr. was a doctor uh, in the West, was the son of Jesse Marcel Sr., the uh, military officer who first investigated the uh, Roswell incident in 1947 mm. and jesse was a young boy at the time and we had the pleasure of having him with us on june 2nd on our show you can look back at our podcast for that very interesting show but anyway uh, peter robbins writes that he just got off the phone with his daughter denise and a uh, bearer of extremely sad news jesse has passed away likely from a heart attack uh, that's this is just today he was alone at home when it happened uh, a ufo book by his side <laughs> that's jesse uh, he was a giant to many of us, a modest man certainly was. Whose father, Major Jesse Marcel, was the Roswell Army Airfield base intelligence officer, the first to reach and examine the Roswell crash to beat debris field. So, we express our prayers and our, our love and our hope, and Godspeed to Jesse Marcel Jr., uh, who would would have been a good, it would be was beginning to be a good friend of ours, marvelous fellow, and to his family, and uh, again, Godspeed. Uh, as we don't believe in death it is simply translation and uh there we have it so okay another announcement a little bit more uh on the bright side on the bright side i guess well it's a bright side but i mean this is something a little more media calendar wise on december 8th we are scheduled to do our 500th show and that will be can right you believe here. it can you believe it time flies and that will be right here on cbs new sky uh, we'd like to hear your suggestions for what you'd like us to do with that show Let us know which guest you might like to have back or whether you'd like Ben and I to do a certain paranormal topic from our own experience as we sometimes do. So uh, we'd like to Or maybe a guest
3: that that we've never had on.
2: Yeah, that's true too. Uh, Let us know on the Behind the Paranormal show page on Facebook. Drop us an email at paul at behindtheparanormal.com or ben at behindtheparanormal.com or write to us at Behind the Paranormal Radio and TV, care of W-O-O-N, 1240 a.m., 985 Park Avenue, Woonsocket, Rhode Island, 02895. All right. So let's wrap it up here. You can find my books. Uh, ben, do you have any further comment on that? No. Nope. Okay. So past guests, new guests we haven't had. I need to see something about Ben and I to do ourselves, uh, short of acrobatics. And uh, we'd be happy to. Live
3: watch acrobatics watch. on the air. Our
2: 500th show, December 8th. So you can find my books on Barnes & Noble Nook e-reader and Amazon Kindle, also on Amazon.com. Uh, Faces at the Window, Footsteps in the Attic, Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny. And uh, we are working on a few more, But and we're also working to turn those into audio books, so stay tuned on that. Uh, because so many have requested it, we are doing that.
4: Hmm.
3: Alrighty. So visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find over 500 free podcasts of all our past shows. Also, check out our site at www.newenglandghosts.com, where there are key studies, photos, along with articles by my dad.
2: And if you buy my books on either of those sites, you'll help keep those podcasts free. Also, on our sites, you'll find direct links to several charities that Ben and I have adopted, including USA Cares and Canadian Veterans Advocacy.
3: So many thanks to our producer, Brandon Jackson. And next week, we will offer you a rebroadcast because it will be Labor Day weekend here in the United States.
2: In the meantime, tune into our Boston Providence Drive Time show and the aforementioned WOON 1240 AM and onworldwide.com at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 Pacific every Monday. And we leave you this evening with a thought from American novelist Nicholas Sparks. The saddest people I've ever met in life are the ones who don't care deeply about anything at all. Passion and satisfaction go hand in hand, and without them, any happiness is only temporary, because there's nothing to make it last. I'm Paul
3: Eno. And I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us in our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time.